Today on the podcast, we have myself, Michael Adams, John Rahimi, and David McCormick. Happy Holy Week, you two. How's it going? Fantastic. Hello. Michael, do you know what do you know what gets me every single time you do the introduction? What? Is you say myself, Michael Adams, John Rahimi, and David McCormick. And I always think like, wait, there's four of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, punctuation is key there. Uh, uh-huh. it, it is not myself, comma. Michael Adams. It's myself, Michael Adams. Yeah, I was just laughing like at myself. As I said, fantastic, just because of the conversation we just had. <laughs> I was like, that felt pretty fake. Um, so, yeah, everyone, it's Holy Week. We're recording this the week before. Well, the day before Holy the Week day starts. Um, actually, like technically several hours before since the church starts at, you know, at evening, at sundown. It'll be Palm Sunday. But, yeah, we're uh, we're we're getting through. We're a lot of stuff going on in our lives right now. Um, not feeling the best, but the Lord is doing his work. So yeah, we had a good conversation before this started, just trying to share with each other and be open, but, uh, yeah, pray for us. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It honestly kind of, yeah, John, I appreciate the clarity. It honestly kind of helped energize me too. Because if we would have started to stray with the podcast, I would have been like, hello, everyone. Like, kind of like very like NPR. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> things are tough. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. We're getting through. Now we're going to talk about the passion. Yeah, that would have been rough. Just, I'd rather just like, you know, we're, we're humans and we don't have our, uh, as I was telling these guys, like, sometimes you just need to be off because that's where you're at and you can't always put up the perfect image so like we said last time we're human and we make mistakes so uh yeah we're in our we're experiencing our whole our humanity right now say that yeah, to, to say the least i think we're we're experiencing it but i think there is something to say and we i mentioned this in our conversation too of just um, being fed in true friendship with one another and sharing life with others and like you said, David, the energy that comes from that or the life that can come from that. I, I know for me in our conversation, we were just uh, kind of, as John alluded to sharing some of our struggles and difficulties that we've been kind of experiencing over the last few weeks in our own personal lives. Um, and some of those were cause for not really wanting to wake up on a Saturday morning and record a podcast. But for me having those conversations, at least gave me some more motivation now after the conversation I was like okay like I'm, I'm ready for this like yeah let's podcast this is, this is fun now like I'm in that zone but I first before I could really ever be motivated or excited I, I needed to actually share life in a very real way rather than putting up a facade of like oh look at us we have everything put together when in the background there is real human struggle at times yeah definitely well, um, speaking of, of Holy Week and, you know, Palm Sunday, the gospel this morning before Palm Sunday was about uh, the Jews wondering, like, is he going to come? Is he going to show up? Right? Is Jesus going to come to Jerusalem? Because he's outside the city at this point. Uh, and I was just laughing myself. Well, you know, we're, we're kind of on a time crunch today. Um, so you don't get our usual interesting banter. Um, but uh, Michael is also expecting an, an entrance into the the Jerusalem of his home by the one and only Mary Ponicky. 
<laughs> lovely, his lovely girlfriend. So we're, uh, yeah, we're expect- he's expecting a, a dramatic entrance. You know, he's gonna lay the palms down. She's gonna come in. He's gonna do lots of praise, fanfare, and all that stuff. So we gotta, we gotta kind of crank through this one today. Unfortunately for for you all, but not not really for us. It's all it's all good. She's also actually riding in on a donkey. Yeah, so. <laughs> I was just I was just about to say, what's like the mileage on that? Did you buy the palms? Did you like grow them? Did you buy them? I think there's a lot of planning involved. I have a palm farm here in Metamora. Uh, yeah, it's got the weirdly enough, it's the only place in the entire central Illinois, Central America area where palm trees grow naturally. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's kind of a jungle atmosphere in Metamora. Not really much of a country atmosphere. I would say it's a tropical paradise in my one time visiting. Exactly. Paradise. I don't know. It kind of looked like a desolate wasteland to me when I showed up. Yeah, John's house just stands out amongst the the barrenness. Yeah, John's not a fan of cornfields and tall trees, I guess. Freaking hate it. Someone's asking, he's like, why didn't you discern for Peoria? I was like, because there's nothing there. That was probably me who asked you because I love the cornfields and woods. It was it was Marco. Marco was asking me. And I was like, he's like, did that ever come up for you because he thought about it? And I was like, no, dude, not even not even for a second did I think about that. Sorry. I don't know. Join, the, join the good guys. Hashtag Sorry for our listeners Peoria. who don't live in the suburbs. But uh, yeah, I'm staring outside at traffic right now. It looks awesome. I That's love it. Miserable. Yeah. <laughs> and for all those who are not in the suburbs, bless your hearts because the We're suburbs not Illinois. is brutal. Yeah, well, if you're not from Illinois, then I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, do you, know, do, do you know how much of our banter is centered around just Illinois geography? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, what the hell are you people talking about? <laughs> I'm going to bring up some really interesting facts about a really small town in like Nebraska or like New New Mexico next week. That's going to be my banter just so we can be more welcoming Ooh. to a different demographic. That dude. This is the we're Catholic. Peru, we're, not, we're not inclusive. That is going to be if there's anyone listening from Peru, Nebraska, send us an email. It's Peru? like a very small town. I watched a video on it once. There is Actually, I know someone from Peru, Nebraska, and they may or may not listen to this. So, really? Yeah. You a liar. <laughs> liar. We'll see. We'll see. Wait, we get David, email. did your dad show you the video of the Ohio or is Cleveland, I think? Have you seen this video? Oh, yeah, the like like the the Cleveland advertisement? Yes. Like, yes, I said that. So no. I showed David Yeah, oh, so I showed Johnny when he came down. And so Johnny showed it to my dad, which I was going to show it to my dad whenever I got back, but he was like, I've never seen our dad laugh harder at something. Basically, I'm like, I'll send you the link. One of my roommates, he was like obsessed with it last semester. He'd play it like every day. It's like a really bad advertisement for Cleveland. It's really funny. So like some of this is like, they just like have like really weird, like selling points, like see the sun almost three times a year, um, buy a house for the price of a VCR, like just like really funny things. I'll send you the links after, yeah, but do. they're hilarious. Yeah, I was, I was chuckling. Anyways, um, I think anyway, bantered sufficiently. This is like the most. Well, actually, that's seven minutes. That's pretty good. We're on spot. That's our. That's hey, our goal. That was our goal. Go we us. never hit the goal. Yeah, David just clapped. <laughs> nice. Uh, I need to stop narrating what we do in our uh, in our chats. <laughs> that was a heart. Anyways, um, good, good bantering. I'm tired. I'm sorry. I'm just going to narrate everything in a very stiff way. <laughs> yes, but since banter's over, 
and it is Holy Week. And unfortunately, all of us seem to be going through some human struggles. Uh, thought it would be appropriate to maybe dive into Holy Week as in general, but really more specifically into the Passion of Christ. It's something that I personally am pretty devoted to, and I've gotten to, into arguments about this with people that I am quote unquote obsessed with the passion. And I like to say, no, I am not. I just have a deep respect for it. And I think it's a beautiful act of love, which we'll get into. Uh, but it's something that can go either one way or the other. I, I think there's sometimes where we can just like avoid it and not really want to think about it. And we can obsess on purely the resurrection while ignoring the passion. And I think on the opposite, there's also times where we focus purely on the passion and we forget the resurrection. And so one of the kind of talk about the balance of that and kind of which each one, what each thing means for us in our own personal lives here, but also for our faith. And yeah, it's a, a big deal. So it's worth talking about. I thought <laughs> kind of, kind of a big deal. Yeah, that's true. There's um, this is a recommendation for you too, but also for everyone. Um, we just read this book uh, a couple of weeks ago called On the Incarnation by St. Athanasius. Um, this, is, this is like fourth century, it's like 300s. Um, and it's one of the more accessible like church fathers um, writings. It's like not really like uh, dense. I mean, it's dense. There's a lot of stuff in there, but it's, it's readable, I think. Um, I kind of wish I'd read it before like, when we did the Incarnation podcast, Michael, back in mm-hmm. December, but it's like, oh, whatever. But he basically addressing the questions like, why did why did Jesus have to be like, why did he have to be a man? And then why did he have to die? Like he answers all of these questions and like really well. And it's really, it's really interesting. I'm going to bring some of that stuff in and I want to talk about, it cause I think it's really beautiful. And it, it tells us a lot about um, why it matters that we are created in the image of God and what that means for us and like our salvation. And then like the Christian life in terms of the cross and like all that stuff. And, this is like, I was telling you guys, right? Like that just what I've been going through, this was something that really like helped me like make it, make the theology and this stuff like really personal. Cause I was like, Ooh, like this hits home. So mm-hmm. share a little bit of that. Any opening thoughts, Michael, about the passion? You know, honestly, I texted- oh, he has a list full. I'm sure. <laughs> I, I texted you Sorry, guys. I'm going to throw shade. <laughs> uh, it's okay. I, I texted this idea. I think it like, <laughs> 10 o'clock last night because I was like, ah, oh, this would be fun one to talk about. And uh, I don't know if I have any really specific thoughts to really get the ball rolling. I think the best thing I can maybe offer is just my own personal relationship to the passion yeah. and kind of see where the conversation rolls after that because uh, that's more what I'm interested in sharing. And it's probably not that people care about my personal thoughts or my personal prayer life, but I think it'll hopefully maybe people can connect to that maybe more than me trying to parse through my own intellectual mind of what I think about, Oh, the passion signifies these things. Like I I can at least just share my own personal relationship though. Um, I think for me, my my personal relationship really started with passion probably early in my freshman year of college, kind of when I had my reversion back to the faith. And Mm. I just remember I just gone to like the first confession and probably seven years in my entire life and i i was sitting down and uh, father bill at newman had uh, held me as i sobbed in the confessional with him which was very beautiful and very sweet of him but i remember sitting outside after and, and praying and just uh looking at the cross and just thinking wow 
what did I do to deserve that kind of love? Um, really, I mean, there's no way that I deserve that much love. And, uh, I, and we were just talking about The Chosen, the TV show, and we were talking about The Call of Peter. And I, I looked at Peter and his response to Christ is, I'm a sinful man. Like, you don't know, you don't really know me. Like, I'm a sinful man. I'm not worthy of you. And that's something that I've held on to a lot in my own personal prayer life is that feeling of unworthiness, but being able to take that to the cross and be able to see, I think the quote that always gets me is if you were the only person at stake, if it was only your soul at stake, Christ would have, he would have died the same death for you. It wasn't the idea that there were billions of people that Christ would save that motivated him to save it. It was the, the idea of the one, the only, he would have died for just me, just you and just you. And that's been very moving for me in my own personal life of r reminding me that it's a personal love. It's a personal payment. And I also read a couple of weeks ago, something that was really beautiful about the price that it pays and kind of, I have a friend who likes to challenge my ideas. And I think I might've talked about this with you, John. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't remember the conversation, but either way, it was kind of saying that when, when we sin, we're committing this, uh, we're committing an infinite amount of damage on our soul because our soul is something that is um, divinely made, divine nature. And uh, Christ's death, that was the only form of payment that could have brought us into reconciliation with Christ. There's nothing on our end that we could have done to pay that price. And Christ's death, having his divinity crucified on the cross. That was the only way that we could be redeemed and seeing that and seeing why it had to be such a brutal and ugly death. I mean, honestly, I mean, we, I like, to, we like to think it's beautiful, but it's, it's ugly. It's, it's, you don't want to look at it. It's not something you want to see it. It's a brutal, ugly death, but seeing that death turn into a sick, a sign of hope and seeing it turn into something that I latch onto in a lot of times of difficulty, but even just in times of joy and being like, oh, wow, I'm able to do this because of that price still. Um, that's kind of my, my first general ramblings. I don't know if anyone has any thoughts, but I feel like I've been talking for 20 minutes so far. You just like, yeah, you did a great job. That's like Athanasius. I'm going to send you, you need to read this because you're going to really enjoy it. Anyway, do you have, yeah, do you have thoughts? Because I have like a bunch, but they're going to be like all over the place. I'll let you, let you say something intelligent first before I read it. Yeah. Michael, I don't, Michael, John, that's a tall order. <laughs> um, no, I kind of wanted to, um, as you saw, I just called Michael a thief in the chat because he took some of my ideas because they're all mine. No, but actually, um, that is something, Michael, I totally relate to when I think of the passion is that if it was, it's easy to say, you know, like not easy to say, but like Christ died for our sins, we realize how personal it was to us. And that, you know, if it was just, if it was just, you know, us, he would have died in the same exact way. And sitting with that, it's, not easy, it's, it's such a big thing to sit with. And someone's like, wow, that feels almost selfish. Like, only if he cared for me. But then you think about, you know, who are the people that you cared about? Like, who are the people that you really love? And it was like, he would have done the same thing if it was just for them as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, I we kind of talked about... Um, a little bit before, it's kind of just been a general theme I think a lot of people struggle with is knowing that 
like you know can, why can't I just accept that God loves me um and for me like when I look and I think of like the crucifixion um like that's the evidence right there like if you're looking for if you ever have the question you know what am I worth just look at the cross that's been something that you know I've come back to and um to be completely honest, it's not something I enjoy sitting with at the same time. I think a lot of times I try to avoid that um, just because it can, it can really weigh, it can really, you know, um, yeah, it's not something easy. And a lot of times um, I can almost like overgeneralize um, the crucifixion because, yeah, we don't really want to dive into because, you know, we love Christ and it's not fun to see him suffer or hear about him suffering. So I know like for when, you know, you pray the rosary, a lot of times when I pray the sorrowful mystery, I'll find myself like really not trying to dive into it too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a part of it, like no pun intended, just comes from like, the sorrow in my heart um, and almost feeling like guilty is like, wow, he did this for us. And it was just like the greatest act of love. Um, but I guess like one thing that I'm trying to do and I'd hundred percent recommend other people is yeah, don't, um, if you have those, rev- if you have those like reservations, like don't let those hold you back, just take time to sit with it. Um, and to contemplate and ask him to open your heart to that moment. Um, so that's something for me, like, yeah, I've really kind of, it's really stuck out to me. And that's something, honestly, when I am in like low moments, or I might be struggling like more times or not, that is the place where I go back to. Yeah. Recently the, we just heard this reading a few days ago, maybe, I don't know, but uh, in Exodus, right. The, um, the line is when the Israelites leave Egypt and they get manna from heaven, they say, we're disgusted with this wretched food. Give us like, give us something better. Let us go back to Egypt. Um, and I found myself saying that, or at least like that's where I've realized I'm at. And that's what I've been saying to the Lord is like, when you come before the cross, the body of Christ, it's like, you know, it's beaten, it's broken. It doesn't look appealing, right? The Isaiah's servant, um, songs talk about uh this like there was no there was nothing like attractive about him there's nothing to like draw you to him and the cross is not very attractive like it's just this broken man dead on the cross hey kevin um kevin just walked in at the rectory um we're talking about the passion yeah he's very much in awe right now um so the like that that line though is just so uh tough because it's like you look at that and you say like this isn't what i really want right now i'd rather have um i'd rather have something more um palatable something more enjoyable something more decent looking fulfilling um when you you look at the the eucharist it's like this is small and like i don't really see where jesus is at here like i'd rather have you in person like so i can see your face and like talk to you like like i'd talk to you know you guys in front of me um and so i say to god like i'm sick of this wretched food i'm disgusted and then it's like, I just said that to God who's giving his body and his soul and his blood on the cross. And like, don't I feel like a total jerk? And it's a hard thing to sit with. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, so that's just one thing. It, that's interesting that both of you say that. And I don't know, this might be a misplaced feeling of my own too, but I find that when I'm struggling in prayer, that when I go back and I actually do sit with it, I find it like almost life giving, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know. Like I, that's kind of like my, not to say old reliable, but it's like when I'm struggling, like 
I seek out to sit with the cross. Um, and like David, you're just saying with the, the sorrowful mysteries, I actually struggle saying the other mysteries sometimes more than I do the sorrowful. Like I'll have a hard time diving into um, like maybe like, let's just for instance, like the joyful sometimes I will struggle with. Um, but I have a really easy time diving into the sorrowful. And I think it's just one to note, like the different, how personal God's love is and how each of us connect to different things. But again, I do think it's something that I've always encouraged and something I found very beneficial is actually meditating on the stations of the cross. Because I think when we say the passion, oftentimes it's like, oh, like passion of the cross, we like think to the crucifixion and the death. But thinking of the entire process, the entire day of that from all the way from the agony of the garden to scourging the pillar, crowning the thorns all the way through the actual carrying across and crucifixion and death. I find that when I actually spend time with those minute details and those minute moments, rather than just the cross, I find it easier to get through. Cause I think going to the cross is like immediately stepping forward to that, like getting dropped into that scene is overwhelming and it's terrifying, but able to walk with Christ that entire day in that entire moment, I have found to be very life-giving because you see the little things. We, we look at God's love. It's like, oh, he died on the cross for us. Like, what kind of love is that? But like, if you take it down, it's like, he was arrested for us. What kind of love is that? He was scourged at the pillar. What kind of love is that? I mean, he was tortured, made fun of, beaten, rejected. Like, already in that, I'm like, why would you stand up for me and love me that much? And then we get to the cross. And then he does something infinitely more for us. And to me, it's like, I, you know, <laughs> well, I wish it could, it would, didn't have to go to that, but going through moment by moment, you come to appreciate and realize the depth, the depth of his love consistently throughout the passion, rather than just in like a singular moment. And I think when I say that I really enjoy spending time with the passion, a couple of people really close to me kind of get frustrated and they say, I don't think I should focus on that. I think you should focus on the resurrection, which again, is another thing of like, yes, of course I love and respect the resurrection. I have a great devotion to it, but I also have my own personal relationship with the passion. I think there's this idea that when you think about the passion, you should only think about the crucifixion, but in reality, you need to think about the entire journey of Christ Yes, and not only his physical experience, but I think something that's even more moving is his emotional experience. We were just talking, I have a huge devotion to St. Peter, but imagining being Christ and seeing your best friend deny, deny you, deny that he knows you even, and to have all of your friends turn away from you and have no one standing up for you. Just imagine how alone he must have felt, how rejected he must have felt. And obviously he knew the greater picture of what was going on, but still those are human emotions that he would have felt in that. Um, and just being able to see that and recognize the reality of that has been something that I've latched onto in various battles in my own life, but also just looking to who Christ was and the nature of the passion. I know with that, John, do you remember like last year, um, did you, was that, that was a drawing, correct? That you gave me for my birthday? It was, yeah. That's what I believe. Yeah. So um, something like just with the passion, honestly, with all of that, Mike, you're saying like the things leading up to it, something that just kind of share a little bit of this personally that I really, that really stands out to me is Jesus in the garden. It's because we see, as you're talking about what he went through emotionally is like, you see that humanity, like he wasn't like, he, he knew what he had to do. 
And he was kind of at that point. Like he, um, he was feeling the weight, you know, of all of our sins and he was sweating out blood and just kind of like realized that he, in that time was like, yes, I want to begin this process. But we see his humanity, you know, asking like the cup to pass from him, realizing like this is something that like he knew was going to be tough and he was going to feel the full weight of everything that happened to him, mm-hmm. like in the next day. And that's something that was like, it was kind of, we went back to like also that personal relationship is he knew all of us in that moment. He knew all of our sins. And that's something, like I said, for, for me personally, just know like, yeah, he knew all of those things, but also like, if I think of all the people that I love, you know, like he knew both of you, he knew, you know, everyone that I love, even everyone that I don't love, um, or I might not necessarily get along with. And that's just something you're talking like the leading up, like that vulnerability too is something that I really go to in prayer because it also it also shows that another aspect of Christ that he was vulnerable. He was open. He wasn't like a some stoic guy who's just like, yes, I'm going to go get crucified. It's going to be great. Like, no, he felt yeah, he felt that pain. He experienced that pain. So that's something for me, like in the kind of thing like that leading up to it is something that really stands out. Yeah. This is the only the last thing I'll, I'll say, because it's going to be a bit of a ramble, but um, put your uh, put your philosophy caps on. We're going to take a little take a little journey. Um, this is my own musings um, on stuff that I've been reading. Um, something that just struck me in class the other day, um, and I really needed it. So I think it was kind of God giving me a, a grace. So I just want to share it. But um, yeah, this isn't like definitive church teaching. So if things don't like line up, you know, perfectly one-to-one, whatever. But uh, I do think it makes sort of sense. It's kind of a blend of um, the on the incarnation, this image that's in there and something that uh, Aristotle and Aquinas talk about in terms of God and who he is. And this goes back to my, what you were talking about at the beginning about like uh, being made in the image of God. Like that's who we are. Uh, and then like you guys talk about the emotions and stuff and why that's um, important for us to like, to sit with that. Like that's how, what Christ is doing that he really became human um, and took that on. So the line in, that I'm looking at here is um, Athanasius says, for as when a, a figure painted on wood has been soiled by dirt from outside, it is necessary for him whose figure it is to come again so that the image can be renewed on the same material. So if we think of like, we've been made in the image of God, right? That, that's the that's the painting on this material and that's our, our humanity um, and on our soul. So if God is um, pure act, right? We have act and we have potency. God is pure act. So we can't change. He's perfect. Um, things that can change are not perfect. So we as human beings are, are creatures and we're made. So a created thing has the ability to change. So we lack that perfection, but if we're made in the image of what is perfect, who's God, pure act then the image on us is of perfection which means i think that although um that image can be blurred it can never actually be wiped out totally because it's the image of perfection so no matter what it's going to always remain it can be blurred as much as you want it to be and like really go to the limits of being blurred which is what I think Christ does on the cross is that he takes the image and blurs it until there's like, you can't even tell, but it's still there. It's never beyond saving. 
And that really struck me because I was like, um, and you can think like, basically it's like an accidental change. Like our soul can be changed accidentally, but never substantially. So accidents are like, you know, if you're looking at a human person, their height, their weight, whatever, all that stuff can change on the outside, but substantially, like it's not going to change. We're rooted in the image of God. So that image cannot be like destroyed. We're not Protestants. We don't say that it's, you know, destroyed the Catholic. It's been corrupted. It's been, you know, blurred, soiled. Yeah. I did this mic trap. Um, but it's, um, it remains. So no matter like how far we've gone from sin, the Lord is faithful to us and he remembers his promise. Uh, and it's because that fact that oh gosh, we are made in the image of God, that the Lord sees that image and comes because he, there's something good there. Um, that's something that I've needed to like know more about myself that we're made in his image and we're good. And so like he becomes for us, he takes that image on his man and loves us to the bitter end. Um, and for us as Christians and to live into that mystery of the cross and to see that if we want to remain in that, it means like remaining, remaining under the stamp. Like if we imagine that seal has been pressed upon our soul, that image of God has been pressed upon our soul, like the stamp lifts up and we kind of want to like live under that. So if like the dust and the dirt that's falling can only fall around it, if the shadow of the, the seal is over us and we remain under it, if you imagine like being hidden in Christ, being hidden in the, in the shadow of the cross, that's where you want to remain. So being at the foot of the cross always and looking at that love that comes from Christ's heart for like you and for me particularly, that it's like the Anima Christi, that prayer um, that we sometimes pray after communion, if you ever heard it, but it says within your wounds, hide me. Like we can hide in the wounds of Christ that's been opened up. And that's like, that's where the grace is that seals us with that. And I think like that's where we need to be. Well, I don't think there's anything I can add after that, that will <laughs> benefit anything. I think that's about the best summary. You got, thank you. That was really beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, John, that was really beautiful. Thanks. It is just to just kind of really quickly piggyback off of that what you just said, like it does strike so much of a chord and it's easy. It's remarkable how easy it is. If we turn away from the foot of the cross, how we can then start to believe that you said like that seal is not there, how little it takes for us in our own mind and our own perception to be like, Oh, it's not there. Um, and just to doubt his love for us. And that's why it's like even, even more impressive. Um, yes. I just trying to like take in what you said. That's why it's just even more incredible. Um, yeah. Just, just those actions and what he did. Yeah. Like we're good and we're loved. Like that doesn't get thrown out just because, you know, we have that dirt over us or the, the devil has convinced us otherwise, but like God knows that we're good and he's not going to throw out what's what he's impressed upon and what he's created. Like he uses the same material. He uses his, he uses our humanity and he works in and through that and he wants to restore it. Like he goes to the limits of blurriness and like sin for us so that we can, you know, exceed the limits of glory with him. He goes from end to end with us. I've always kind of thought it too of a different way of wording it would be. He saw something worth saving. Um, 
it's it's the same way of saying he saw something good or he he loved us, but something worth actually saving. Um, and that there's nothing that we do that ever changes that, that, that he always sees something worth saving and worth coming to. And that's something that I've held on to um, in my own personal prayer of is just really sitting with that. Cause I think sometimes we look at our own worth in relation to God and say, I don't deserve you. I don't deserve your love. Um, and at the end of the day, we have to look at that and say, he saw something worth saving in us um, something good something that he loved. Yeah. Not to end uh, on a, <laughs> to ruin the somberness of this, but when you said, because you're worth it, all I thought of was L'Oreal because you're worth it. <laughs> actually where I got it from. <laughs> They've been motivating my prayer life the past three months. <laughs> yeah, they're actually this has been a 45 minute ad for L'Oreal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not an ad. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think it's good. We yeah. I think it's good. We end on a lighter note. Yeah. <laughs> I was taking a somber turn, so it's okay. Um, I don't have anything else that I think really we touched on everything I wanted to hit on. Yeah. Um, do, do either of you have anything else before we head out? No, that's it. Beautiful. I don't well, think so. Everyone, thank you for listening and uh, embarking on this journey with us. Uh, as you can see, we are probably in need of some prayers, so please pray for us over the coming weeks, and we'll be praying for you, especially in this time of Holy Week. Yeah. And just want to encourage you, if you haven't taken time to sit with the Passion, sit with the cross in prayer ever or in quite a long time, really encourage you to take advantage of that this week during Holy Week um, as we we relive and rewalk those steps of Christ. But that's all we have, and... Uh, there's nothing else I really want to say. So I'm going to end it there. I hope you all have a blessed Holy week. Yeah. God bless. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.